What's up, Plugged In fans? I'm back with another episode, a little playoff recap, NFC, AFC Championship. And wow, man, a lot to unpack here with Niners versus Philadelphia. And we have the Chiefs winning against the Bengals in Burrowhead, or they made sure to say that's Arrowhead. Uh, First up, Eagles Niners. I'm disappointed to say the least, man. I wish we had a better matchup and I thought it was going to be a better matchup, but we have the quarterback injury early on to Purdy and he's just never able to get back. It it didn't seem like he could throw the ball. Uh, The very few clips we got of Purdy on the sideline throwing the ball, he was throwing the ball three to five yards. So I think it was pretty obvious. He couldn't really throw it. Then we get the backup come in and Kind of seems like the moment's too big, but, you know, what do you expect? I mean, at this point, you're at your fourth string quarterback. I mean, I don't know what teams would be able to pull that game out. And they hung in there as long as they could, but just too much to handle. So I do want to take a moment to, you know, I think one of the biggest points in the game was actually the coin toss, man, for the Niners. You know, they win the coin toss and they elect to kick the ball to start the game off. And I'm personally not a fan of that. Maybe in a regular season game, um, I understand it. I understand the decision because the Niners are a very confident team. You know, they they have the best defense in the league. Uh, They felt like they could stop Hurts in, in that Eagles offense to start the game. And they would be able to receive the ball at the turn of the half, which, you know, ideally a lot of times I, I would go with that especially when you have a good defense, especially when the defense is the identity of your team, the toughness and so forth. But in the playoffs here, uh, considering how the Niners play football, considering the dangers of the Eagles, um, you had to receive that ball and go take it and score down there. Because what happens is if the Eagles score, which they did, you now have to go score yourself. There's a little bit more pressure put on the Niners to go score, um, and they weren't able to. And to be fair, it took it took a lot for the Eagles to go down there and score. We had a, a catch, nine catch by Devontae Smith that the refs missed. Uh, Shanahan didn't challenge. We also had a penalty that helped keep the game going. I mean, there was a lot of penalties um, that there's just a ton of penalties in this game. You don't ever want to see that. We don't, I'll get to the refs uh, later on in this pod, but yeah, way too many penalties. And it took a lot for that first drive to, for the Eagles to get downfield. But on the first, second play of the game, I mean, man, you could just see the Eagles offensive line pushing around the Niners. Uh, you know, first snap of the game, my lotta, the left tackle from the Eagles and the left guard, they just blow Javon Kinlaw off the ball. I mean, they blow him a solid five yards back off the ball, and it's an easy run. So they're right they're right downfield, just play after play, about six to seven play drive, and they score. You never really want to see that to open the game because it's, you know, it's tough. This is supposed to be your number one defense, the strength of your team, and they just got bullied down there. I will say they held up as long as they could. Through the injuries, Fred Warner goes out the first play of the game. Bosa gets nicked up. They're starting to drop like flies out there, and they still held true to what they were. 
But I do think them not receiving that ball put them in a bad spot because now you're not able to always talk about this with the Niners offense. And, you know, this is why it was so essential when playing them to get up or when you play these wide zone running scheme teams that are not drop back. They're not traditional drop back teams, especially with Purdy, a rookie, you know, seventh round rookie, too. I just thought it was a little interesting to see the way Kyle handled the game. Not only in that aspect, but in the game, the play calling as well. Um, And also missing out on that challenge. The challenge I don't so much blame him for. It's early in the game. It's happening quick. Um, You know, I, I will say, though, you're supposed to have guys in your ear watching. You know, you're supposed to have a specific guy simply watching for reviewable plays, talking in your ear and go, hey, Kyle, challenge that. You know, this is what I'm looking at. However... They didn't challenge it. Eagles go down and score. Niners get the ball back. And when it comes down to coaches, especially when you've made it this far, a lot of times, and I've talked about this in the last couple podcasts, a lot of times you'll get coaches that are not arrogant, but they're very content in what they do. You know, there's a point where you have the ability to adjust and change your scheme. But I think the Niners really got content and comfortable in what they do in the defensive side as well as the offensive side. And that might be the biggest detriment to this game. Um, As far as Kyle, you know, running these play action boots, but leaving the weak side defensive end who, come on now, this is the elite pass rusher and Hassan Reddick, leaving him unblocked. If he's not leaving him unblocked, he's asking for a tight end to block him. He's not asking for a tight end to block him. He's asking for a detached receiver to get in front of his face, cross his face, and cut him off, which is just so hard. You know, it's when you go game one, uh, week one, I'm sorry, day one install the practice before this game. That's that's what this is all about is scouting report, knowing where their best players are, their elite players. And for them to just turn Reddick loose like this was just surprising. Um, And they did it multiple times on the play that Purdy gets hurt. They're asking the detached receiver, Jawan Jennings, to cross his face and get a piece of him. And it just didn't happen, man. I mean, we have the right tackle, McGlinchey. He blocks down. Jawan Jennings doesn't even get a piece of Reddick. He comes free, hits Purdy's arm. And it's pretty much that it's curtains from then on. There was another play where he comes free because he's simply unblocked. And sometimes you'll get these read option plays or even on a boot where you'll leave the best player unblocked. And basically you make him wrong. He he goes left, you go right. He goes right, you go left. But with with the traction and with the lack of offense that the Niners were rolling with at the at, at a certain point. I just don't know if that was the best strategy. Uh, I think the Niners took too long to get their playmakers involved as well. You know, with Kittle, with Debo, uh, with McCaffrey. McCaffrey got involved on, you know, the second and third series. But with Debo and Kittle, I thought Kittle was a huge mismatch this game on the Eagles linebackers and safeties. And, you know, it's you got to make it an emphasis, you know, not to necessarily run your scheme, but sometimes you have to scheme your best players open. You know, if you got a mismatch you like, I understand you love your scheme, but you have to force it 
to those guys, not negatively, not to where it's a detriment to your game. But if you have a clear mismatch, you have to take advantage of it. Just like a, you know, a, a, a post player in basketball, if he's got a smaller guy on him, you got to throw it into him. You can still run your offense. But when opportunity persists, you have to take advantage of that. And I don't think the Niners were taking advantage early on of that. I think they were still trying to run their scheme. And like I said, man, it's tough when you go down seven and then you go three and out and the Eagles are still moving the ball and the defense held up. But then you get the ball back and now it's your second possession you know the Eagles are going to eventually score. It's just so much more pressure on Purdy, on that offense to score. And as talented as they are, I've said this in the past, they're not a team to to throw themselves back in the game, to come back from a deficit of points, to chase points. That's what you want the Niners to do. I think they're at their weakest point when they have to chase points because they're not built for a, a drawback passing game. They're built to run the ball. They're built to use play action. They're built to use misconception, deception, screens. And once they're up, then they're able to just they're they're able to open up everything because they're able to run the ball. They're able to get their play action going. They're not a team that's built to throw the ball 30, 35 plus times. It's just not going to be efficient that way. Kyle's scheme is not built around that, not built around a ton of pass pass concepts. It's built around run scheme. So we see them struggle to move the ball. And then Josh Johnson has to come in. And man, Josh Johnson's a veteran. He's been in the league a ton. He's a journeyman. He's worked really hard to get to where he's at. But man, he looked like a deer in headlights. I mean, he just didn't seem like at any point was he prepared to play in that game. He didn't think he was ever going to have to play. Um, Shout out to Bucky Brooks, one of my favorite NFL analysts from NFL Network. He brought the point that a lot of teams, it's it's quite interesting that a lot of teams don't get their second string, their backup quarterbacks reps in practice. And just me playing football or watching a lot of football in practice and following the NFL in college, it's true. There's not a lot of times where your backup gets too many reps. And a lot of times it's because the starters need all these reps. They need the reps. There's a limited amount of time, but it definitely has to be prioritized with how violent the game is, with how many quarterback injuries we've seen, with all the concussions. Your backup has to be viable and they have to be ready to start and they have to have had reps, especially during the week. I think sometimes people think these NFL players are robots because they're professionals and they're just supposed to be able to just go out there and perform without having the reps. But you have to understand in practice, you're getting looks from the scout team that's running the opposing team's defense. You know, you got to get familiar with what you your team's going to run against them, what type of looks you're going to get, what's going to work, what's not going to work, what type of throws you'll have, what type of throws will be difficult. There's a lot that goes into it that's you know we just think he's a backup he should be able to just go out there but without the reps man I mean we see and Josh Johnson as as long as he's been in the league pretty limited quarterback and once he came in I mean the game was over you start having the turnovers there's so many penalties and the Niners defense just ended up being out there for too long now on the offensive side for the Niners I thought, you know, with Josh Johnson and what Kyle was seeing, 
it's pretty far-fetched, but I, I would have loved to at least see a wildcat formation at least once. Or I would have loved to see with the, the run scheme that that team has, I would have loved to see a little wing T or just like, look, we know we're going to have to run this ball. We're just going to essentially put out 11 players that are threatening options offensively rather than rocking with this quarterback because it was never going to work. And, you know, that's far-fetched. It's very far-fetched to think that they could go wildcat or wing T and stay in the game. But he had to try something else. You know, I would love to see the adjustment from Kyle there. And, you know, we just didn't really see it. Um, and then on the defensive side, I always talk about the game within the game. Yes, football is a game, but there's always matchups. There's always scheme. There's always formation. There's a game within the game at some point where you lose the game or you win the game if you're not able to adjust. So all the Eagles were doing, they would run these three-by-one formations, whether it came out of bunch, whether it came out of trips, and they're just running RPO. They would stack on the strong side a bunch formation, they would put the running back on the strong side and it would either be a zone handoff or it would be a bubble route to the weak side, essentially stretching out the Niners defense horizontally, which is very hard, very, very hard to defend, um, you know, because you have the threat of the RPO. You have the threat of Jalen Hurts running it. You have the threat of the run. But there's two things here that's important. This is all over the Eagles tape. You know, this is a staple of what they do. Just like the Niners run wide zone, that's a staple of their scheme. This is a staple of what the Eagles do. And there's plenty of film out there because they've done it all year. And yes, they have a really good O-line. They're really good at it. But I just think there's an issue when you see the same plays running down after down after down it's a three-yard gain it's a four-yard gain and you see the Niners interior alignment just getting blown back they're getting double teamed and there's just no way based on the the defensive sets they're in there's just no way to succeed and I would have loved to see a little adjustment but you know once again we we rarely saw it and they almost ran that RPO or run every time out of those three by one sets and it's just interesting to me because I thought the Niners should maybe get another body on the line of scrimmage. And yes, that will force only one or two linebackers to be off ball. But you had to get another body on the scrimmage to match up to these blocks. Now, what I would have done is you bring that extra body down and you basically play a single high and you play it tight. And you force Hurts to throw the ball. Now, if you let the Eagles run the ball all day, they were going to beat you. And yes, you have a really good defense. But I told you guys last week, I told you guys, there's no more DJ Jones. I told you guys about Javon Kentlaw, you know. Yes, they have our Eric Armstead. And he's a really good, huge defensive tackle. But I told you they were susceptible in the middle of that defense. I mean, we see Javon Kenlaw. Givens, a lot of these guys getting pushed around. And honestly, they wouldn't get pushed around as much if their D coordinator gave them a little help and they brought another body down to the line of scrimmage. Therefore, you're not able to get those double teams off so easily. Your blocking assignments for the Eagles would change. But 
you know, series after series, the Niners just kept coming out there with a four-man front, still playing cover three, which, yes, that helps. But by the time your backers could even see the play, the offensive linemen are on them on the second level. And if you had an extra body on the line to run a 4-3 over, a bare front, it would be a lot harder for those blocks to get to second level. And this is their bread and butter. You know, if you would have stopped that three by one RPO, you know, it's a it's a different ball game. We never seen the Eagles get put. We never seen the Eagles play left handed. We never seen the Eagles get put put up with their backs against the wall. And this is no hating stuff. The Eagles won. You know, have really good roster, really good offensive schemes. But if you pay attention to football, you realize this game within the game, they never made them play left-handed. They never took away their strength. They didn't even try. The, the Niners just kept running what they run, you know? At times nickel, sometimes base, but it was just a four-man front. And they couldn't do anything. You can't ask the players to play outside of that scheme and make plays because when you see it, it's just so easy to get to second level. And those linebackers, they can run, but they can't get past those linemen. Once those linemen are on them, it's over. And I just would have loved to see them run a an extra man on the line or play a bare front and play some man in zone coverage and make Hurts throw the ball. I mean, Hurts was 15 of 25 for 125 yards. 4.8 per pass, dude. Like... He's not the reason they won. I'm going to tell you that right now. And I love Jalen Hurts. I think he's a hell of a young quarterback. I respect his game. He has a lot of talent. I love what the Eagles have done with him. And I think he has room for progression. I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. But to act like he's the reason for this win is insanity. I mean, the man threw it for 125 and averaged 4.8 a throw. This is why you had to force him to throw it, force him to throw it outside the numbers in the in the formations that he did have to throw when they ran like a doubles concept formation. He's bailing out. And every time he bailed out the pocket, he was missing throws. The, the, the field gets cut in half and he's throwing towards the sideline. And one of them got intercepted, but the player was out of bounds, Hufunga. But once you got him to roll out. I mean, the passes weren't there. When he was feeling that pressure, instead of sliding, he's belling out. And this is, once again, scouting report things. Um, he's not an advanced passer, you know. He's made some good throws. He's able to get, his, get through his reads. He knows where his hots are. But if you would have forced him, the Eagles, to play left-handed, if you would have forced them to pass the ball, and this all correlates back to the to the. The, the coin toss, man, because just as much as the Niners are reliant on getting ahead and, and being able to comfortably run their scheme, I'm not going to. The Eagles have more firepower, right? They're also not playing with the seventh round quarterback, but you still wanted to put pressure on them to score, you know, because ideally they don't want to pass it a grip. They want to run the ball, which they did successfully. But if you would have put the pressure on them to pass, to play left-handed, if you would have took away their favorite runs, we would have seen a different game because Hurts, as much as I like him, not an advanced passer, not built to throw it 35 times. 
I'll tell you what, because people are going to reference this season. Yes, you have A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. He has an amazing asset of weapons. So yes, at some point, he's going to be able to throw the ball. All I'm saying is I'll take my chances with him throwing the ball over them running the ball. Because if they run the ball with that offensive line, you have no shot. You have no chance. And it directly correlates to their defense because once they're up, they're going to be able to pass rush all day. They're just going to be able to tee off on you once they put you in a position where you're chasing points. And it also correlates to wearing down the opposing team's defense like the Niners were. We haven't seen the Niners look that bad. You want to know why? They're out there too long. They're out playing defense too long. All these three and outs, all these penalties, so many punts. And the punter was great, Winowski. Great, putting them in great field position every time. But it's tough on the defense when you have to constantly be out there. And they're not able to use their superpower, which is their speed, and get in after the quarterback. So great win by the Eagles. But, man, I just can't tell you how many times we've seen that three-by-one formation. And I'm just thinking, here we go, run again, run again. Because all the defense, all the Niners' defense was doing was matching their personnel. When you get that three-by-one on one side, the, the Niners are basically matching it, causing there to be only one player on the weak side of the formation, which means it's a block, it's a, a hat, a hat, and you're pretty much off to the races because – the receivers are running a bubble and then you have the running back running to the weak side and it's just so hard to defend. And I would have just loved to get an extra body over there. Or I would have just loved to not be stressed out horizontally for the pass threat because they've been ran on. They haven't been passed on. You've been ran on. So maybe respect the run before the pass. If Jalen Hurts were to beat you throwing this ball, you know, Hey, so be it. But to go out losing against the Eagles' strength and allowing them to do what they want to do, it's just tough, man. It's tough to handle because I feel like it could have at least been lessened. You know what I mean? The the bleeding could have stopped maybe a smidge, you know. Like I said, when Hurts was throwing the ball, he didn't look good. You know, you have the plays. You have the early uh, fourth down play. I'm sorry, third down play to A.J. Brown. When the Niners brought the blitz and Hertz just tosses it, you know, Hail Mary style tosses it. And A.J. Brown makes a ridiculous catch off the grass, you know, hell of a play. OK, then we have the fourth down play where Devontae Smith actually drops the ball and we have all the other plays. Jalen Hurts feels the pressure and has to get out of the pocket and he's cutting the field in half and he's pretty much running to the sideline. You know, there was there was a game to be played there. The Niners had a shot. And, you know, all you could do is learn from it, man. I just would have liked to see some form of adjustment. You know, at no point, not in the first, not in the second, not in the third. You didn't see their defense adjust to that three-by-one set. And that was literally the game within the game. And that's why they lost. They were never able to fix that. You know, there's nothing more demoralizing than seeing the same formation or same play. And there's just nothing you could do to stop it. So here you heard it here. That's why the Eagles won, uh, coupled with the quarterback injury. It's just unfortunate in terms of I wish there was a better matchup. But fly, Eagles, fly. They're in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs here. Um, 
And that's why that number number one seed is so important. It's intricate to success in the playoffs and making the Super Bowl because you have a bye week, wild card weekend, and then you essentially get two playoff games. And if you win them both, you're in the Super Bowl. So for all those teams that are like, oh, we're not chasing the one seed. We're just we're just taking it week by week. We're just playing the game like, OK, dude, don't try to downplay the one seed because it's very important. You want to know why Tom Brady kept making so many Super Bowls in his run and the Patriots runs? Well, yes, he's great. But we considered the division, the division, excuse me, he was in. You considered how many first seed that they had. I mean, this is why you essentially played two playoff games and you're in the Super Bowl. You you allow your team to have rest, to get healthy. A lot of teams banged up towards the end, end of the year. You know, we're wondering why the Niners are dropping like flies. It's, it's a long season, dude. It's a brutal game, a violent game. And a week's of rest, it's so important. So the Eagles get to rest up. You know, Hurts had the shoulder. Could you imagine if he had to play wild card weekend? So that number one seed is super important. Very important. But we got the Eagles representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. And we got the Chiefs in the AFC. Now, this chiefs Bengals game, I haven't really got a chance to look at it. I've seen some of it, but I haven't really watched the film on it. What I will say is I knew at some point the Cincinnati O-line was going to be a detriment to Joe. And yes, we could sit here and say, well, the game was still close. But are you watching the game, dude? Because look at the interceptions he had. Realize that Burrow had to let go of the ball a lot faster than what he wants to. You know, the anticipation is sped up. And yes, you still have a ridiculous amount of talent on offense with Mixon, with T, with Chase, with Boyd. So you're able to stay in there. But one thing that was apparent to me was Joe was running for his life a lot of that time. That defensive line was getting after him. Um, but we we did see Boyd go out. But I think we have to tip our hat to Pat Mahomes. I mean, you lose pretty much all of your receiving options. Juju goes out. You know, Kelsey's got the back. McCole Hardman goes out. Kadarius Tony goes out. Like, come on, you have to respect this dude's game, man. All on a bad ankle, he's still able to pull this out with his top three receivers being out the game. He's rocking with Marquez Valdez-Scantley. And Travis Kelsey and Sky Moore, who's a rookie, you know, and he, he made Valquez, Valquez Stanley look so good, man. He had over 100 yards. Kelsey still did his thing. And it's just a testament to how good Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are. You know, they definitely heard the chatter. You have Pacheco, you have McKinnon. But I think it's insane that you did this with the seventh round running back. And journeyman Jarek McKinnon, who's very good. But we, I mean, before this year, no one knew where Jarek McKinnon was. Nobody was saying anything about Jarek McKinnon. There was nobody giving you draft analysis on Isaiah Pacheco. There were no mock drafts of Isaiah Pacheco, mock fantasy drafts. You guys didn't know who this dude was. So, you know, it's, it's greatness. It's greatness. And Joe Burrow, you know, they'll be back. We're going to start to see the team change a little bit, though, in my opinion, because you're going to have to pay Joe Burrow. 
Now he's going to start accounting for a lot of that cap. And you're not going to be able to keep everybody. We've seen Jermaine Pratt upset in the locker room after the game because of the late hit from Joseph Asai, which I wasn't a fan of at all. That's horseshit, in my opinion, because Joseph Asai played his ass off. He was one of the best players on that defense yesterday. And because he made one mistake at the end of the game, we got Jermaine Pratt airing him out in the locker room, talking about how it's his last year. Yeah, it's your last year because you know you're not going to get re-signed by the team. Jermaine Pratt has all that energy for that last hit. But what about when Isaiah Pacheco ran through him and got a first down? You know, where's the self-accountability then? It doesn't all fall on one player. And this is a young rookie that we're doing this to here. You know, he's going to remember this forever. And I just think it's overblown, too, because if you look at the, the last play of the game where Mahomes is scrambling for that first down, even if a side didn't hit him, they're going to make the field goal, dude. They're at like the 43 yard line. Like, I don't know why anyone thought that they weren't going to make it. You know, like he scrambled for the first. They were already past the 50. So I don't even buy that. I didn't I just didn't like that at all. Um, And wow, what a gutsy performance by Mahomes on a bad ankle to be able to recognize what defense they were in to go, hey, I could get this first down. And they didn't let it get get to overtime this time. You know, they got the job done. Uh, Joseph Asai, once again, hell of a game. Chris Jones, testament to Chris Jones. He was hungry after last year. He talked about having a whole new work regimen, improving his diet because he wanted to get back to this point. I think the Chiefs really, you know, from the beginning of the year, you know, losing Tyreek and all the mass media and even Tyreek speaking out. I really do feel like they felt a little bit disrespected, you know, with how everything ended in the AFC championship last year and all the hoopla and especially the hoopla this week. I just think the Chiefs, unfortunately, for the Bengals, they came out with a chip on their shoulder. You know, there was a lot of bulletin board material unnecessarily. I'm not sure why, but they came out with a chip on their shoulder. Once again, testament to Chris Jones. He's the best player on that defense, leader on that defense. He wasn't getting home the first two plays of the drive. He was playing inside and he he moved outside. You know, he got a better matchup than what he had inside. A lot of times it's a little condensed inside, rushing inside. It may be a little easier to get double teamed inside, but he moved Carlos Dunlap. And you can see Dunlap at the beginning of the play where Chris Jones got that sack. You can see Dunlap asking Chris Jones to get out, to go back outside. And Chris Jones waves him off like, no. And he comes through with a double arm whip and he gets around the tackle and sack. So your best players have to play well. A lot of young players for the Chiefs play well. Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, two of my favorite players from this year's draft. You know, a lot of guys stepped up, a lot of new faces on this Chiefs defense. You know, you lose a leader in Tyron Matthew, you get Justin Reed, you get Karloftis, you get Trent McDuffie, you get Cook, you get... uh, his name's not Fulton. I think his name's Evans. I can't think of the guy's name. He's a corner. Late, late round corner. But, you know, they just stepped up, man. You know, we've seen the Chiefs not play as much battleship football in terms of just blitzing and trying to provoke a turnover. And it was much more settled, a lot more zone. And 
you got to tip your hat off to him, man. Great, great game by the Chiefs. Great performance by Mahomes, by Kelsey. And uh, I believe we got the two best teams in the Super Bowl here. So great playoff weekend. Once again, I'll be back with you guys for some draft analysis. It's just very hard to fit this shit in my schedule. You know, school, work, just very minimal opportunity for film watching. But I'm going to get on the film. I'm going to let you guys know who's the best prospects incoming for your favorite teams. I mean, unless you're a Chiefs or Eagles fan, we're pretty much all on the couch now. So you might as well get ready for next season and get excited about the incoming rookies. You know, we got the Shrine game. We got senior bowl before you know it's gonna be the combine and pro days so it's time to get excited about that we're gonna be at an even level playing field once this super bowl is over and everyone's gonna be right back at it the football grind doesn't doesn't stop the season never ends this year round and just make sure you check in and subscribe to my podcast to stay in tune to stay plugged in you know what i mean come here for your material don't go to mass media because they have agenda. I don't have agenda. I don't get paid for this. I just love the game. So make sure you subscribe to Plugged In. And I'll be back with you guys when I see you.